0: Hi everybody, it's Dave Juskow for the Dave Juskow Podcast. Today we are going to air in its entirety the year of the Godfather, the movie, The Godfather Part 1, Episode 4. We've been doing the entire Godfather Part 1 episodes, live readings at the Village Underground, which is a division of the Comedy Cellar for the past few months, uh, almost a year, well it actually it's been exactly a year. It was supposed to take place in exactly a year, but I took a little break cuz I was trying to get some certain people that weren't available, doesn't matter blah blah blah. Point of the matter is, this is episode 4 and on May 9th we will finish the Godfather part 1 and with episode 5. But today, getting ahead of ourselves, this is a uh, a reading we the actors have scripts. I mean, you know the drill if you've listened to the other three. We have scripts. We're on stage in front of a very live audience and a packed crowd of 200 people, which sometimes you can hear their laughs and sometimes you can't. The audience isn't mic'd, unfortunately, but when, so then when you can hear it, you know, those were big laughs. But uh, as usual, you know, I get a little upset sometimes. People don't do it the right way. I'm not going to Call out anybody on this. I don't know. It's like some people haven't seen The Godfather. I don't know what the deer is. But the basic thing is it went rather well. And I was very pleased. I have to say uh, Rachel Feinstein did an outstanding job. Uh, kind of was very, very funny. Um, maybe, uh, you know, a little too off the script sometimes. But that's quite all right because the audience loved every minute of it. And that's the important thing. So uh, the story is, as usual, I play... The Godfather, Vito Corleone. I play Vitali. That's Apollonia's father. I play the bodyguard. I play Button Man number 1 and the Toll Collector. That's Paul Lynn, of course. <laughs> but do you want it any other way? <laughs> and uh, on the guitar, you know, we have our little band. On the guitar, Colin Smith. On the mandolin, the owner of the Comedy Cellar, Noam Dwarman, And that constitutes our band, and they do an amazing job. Uh, Mark Friedman this time did the narration. And he is uh, an actor, not a comedian, but he does actually a wonderful job. Irene Bremis plays Mama Corleone, Mama Vitale, and Lucy Mancini. The problem with Irene was that she was dressed way too pretty for these roles that constitute uh, very unattractive women. And I think you'll see the scenes don't work because they're like, I don't understand why you're making fun of this girl being fat and ugly if... uh, This girl is in ridiculously good shape, and she looks amazing. So that, I blame myself on that. I didn't tell her to dress down. Uh, Paul Mercurio, the comedian who uh, works on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, plays Don Tomasino. The amazing William Stevenson, who almost single-handedly steals the show. He's a comedian who uh, is on uh, John Oliver. Well, you'll hear all the intros at the beginning, but he plays Fredo and Callow. Uh, mostly because Mike Buschetti had a heart attack and couldn't do it, and William Stevenson stepped in without missing a beat. Uh, the great actress, Bethel Karam, that we used in The Christmas Carol recently uh, plays Connie Corleone, Kay Adams, and Little Girl. Uh, I, I, she hasn't seen the movie. So in this particular case, even though she's a wonderful actress, sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes... She gets it completely right, so you'll see the difference. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about when you hear it. The great Matteo Lane, he's always amazing. He plays Fabrizio. He plays Bonassara, He plays Button Man Number 2 and Little Frank, um, and he sings a little. He's really good, as usual. DC Benny replaces Russ Meneve as Sonny Corleone this time, and he's a legendary comic. He's great, and he does a, a pretty good job. He's very funny and a nice guy. Tom Cotter, uh, you might know from America's Got Talent. He came in second, lost to a dog act, uh, which is the only thing that would be funnier than that is if it happened to me. He plays Tom Hagen, replacing our friend Lenny Marcus, because Lenny Marcus was doing a cruise ship on the high seas, so he could not make it. Rachel Feinstein, as I said, plays Apollonia, and I got to say does it perfectly. I mean, perfectly, if you're, I mean, she really just does it the right way, uh, for for our purposes, you know, and looked amazing, you know, you won't be able to see her, but just know that she really looked great, she was wearing the perfect outfit, and a lot of times she'll be doing things to Dan Natterman, of course, who always plays Michael Corleone, and... You know, looking at him uh, longingly or whatever, and it's really funny. You can hear the audience laughing. Of course, you might not know what's going on. Todd Barry, one of the greats, one of the great comics, one of the great low-energy comics, uh, plays Carlo Rizzi in a—I uh, tried to get Carlo Rizzi, but uh, he turned out to be kind of an asshole— which i guess is why he's not a very good actor he must be only able to play that part but todd does a really good job you, you you'll see that even though todd you know does it in a completely different way than the way it's supposed to be done i mean obviously it's really funny but i don't know maybe you'll notice like i did that todd is a really good actor and to me as i was watching it it, it came out it's it's interesting even though he's playing himself you can the way he kind of enunciates and says the dialogue you can tell he actually has some acting chops, which is odd sometimes for just a comedian. Um, so Nick Griffin, who's a, a wonderful comedian, opens up the show after I do. I open up the show with uh, some... Listen, again, I have said on the podcast before, if you're, if you're going to do new material in front of a hot crowd, you deserve what you get. So, <laughs> you know, I, I do the best I can. I, I, I actually, I could do better. I could practice uh, for some reason, I choose not to because I concentrate more on the script than the than the stand-up, but maybe next time I can put it all together. But, uh, oh, also, we have the opening credits, which is a scroll of the Star Wars theme, which you won't be able to see. Um, our friend Memo Salazar put it together perfectly, just like it's based on The Empire Strikes Back. I wrote it exactly according to The Empire Strikes Back, and... What's happening in our Godfather show to kind of bring everybody back up to speed since it had been six months I wanted a big flourish opening so you can't see the credits, but it is the real Star Wars scroll So when we play it back, I will be reading it to you uh, Just this audience. That's not what happened that night. The audience was watching it on television screens So that's basically it. Uh, Just a couple of things, I guess uh, there's a, a section where Michael and um, Apollonia, Rachel and Dan go through the audience to give out candy, uh, just like they do the, in the wedding scene in the movie. Obviously, you know that that'll be what, what that's happening. I'm trying to think. Obviously, if there's anything else I could tell you that's happening that I don't know, uh, uh, when uh, Mark, uh, the narrator, first comes on, the lights aren't working, so um, he can't figure it out, and then it all comes to to be maybe i'll even edit that part so it works a little smoother but i usually don't like to edit i'd like to to hear it the way it worked that day and just cut right through it and you can choose to either listen or not uh you know a lot of people again you know don't talk into the mic sometimes they do sometimes they don't hopefully everything you'll be able to hear everything i've listened to it once and uh, everything sounds pretty good this time natterman was able to talk into the mic this time. Oh, it must be uh some sort of holiday or something. But um it's pretty good and I think you'll like it. I, I yeah, I, I think it's pretty good and it's um it worked pretty well and I think I'm looking forward to wrapping it up. Uh you know, and moving on to the next thing. So um next time, you know, but so for right now this is the Godfather part 1 episode 4 performed live at the Village Underground in front of a festive sold out crowd on February 28th, 2017. I hope you enjoy it. Is this ever gonna work? All right, I mean, I have to check, right? I mean, we all need it, there's a lot of people on stage. How you doing? All right, let's get over that. Yes, yes, thank you for coming out. What a great, what a hot crowd, what a hot crowd. Yes. Oh, man, this is an amazing hot crowd. I'm doing Sammy Davis, which nobody knows. But I, I, well, because it was a bad Sammy Davis, too. Hey, um. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming to The Godfather. Boy, I'll tell you, boy, what a crazy year it's been so far. 2017, what? If the first two months are any indication of how this year is going to go, it's going to be awesome. (laughs) I mean, the whole Donald Trump thing. We don't, don't boo and don't whatever. I'm just saying it. It happened. And uh, then the Super Bowl. What? That was unbelievable. And then Sunday, the Oscars. Oh, my God. If every event is going to be that entertaining, this is going to be the best year ever. And for me, it's been fantastic. I bet on everything. I'm a degenerate gambler. That's why you've never heard of me before these shows. And um, I bet on the Super Bowl, of course, but I also bet on the Oscars with my same bookie. And I also like to call on Sundays at 6 o'clock, on Super Bowl Sunday, and, call and also ask what the Oscar lines are at that same time. So I'm like, all right, I'll take... I'm going to do a parlay. I'm going to take the Patriots minus three and give me Isabelle Hubert for best actress... In an upset. <laughs> and like, we're really only taking Super Bowl bets right now. I'm like, okay, then I'll take the over in the Patriots game, and then I am not an, your Negro. Is that what it is, William? Sorry, did I get that? He put it on Facebook today that it's the greatest movie ever. I did not say that you fucking lie. <laughs> it's the one black guy in the cast. I already got him angry. This is horrible. <laughs> All right, well whatever anyway i mean how about the you know every time we did the super bowl right i left at halftime in tears because i you know i bet the patriots even i don't like the patriots but i wanted to be on the winning side and then i get a call from somebody and they're like you're not going to believe what happened and i'm like they won and they covered and i'm like oh sure they okay yeah exactly yeah right they came back from 25 points that just happened out of nowhere they came back and they're like no i swear to god and i'm like you're such full of shit and then again, this happened on Sunday, when I left. They announced La La Land. I went into my car, and somebody called, I'm like, "You're not going to believe it." I'm like, "How many times do you think I'm going to fall for this?" <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fortunately, I did have Moonlight in the upset, and
1: uh,
0: made a little coin on that, which was pretty nice. Uh, but then I was so excited because I didn't see what happened. I couldn't believe I, didn't, I, I missed it. I'm like, I don't want to hear the speeches. They have a perfect life, whatever. I'm bored by this. <laughs> when the other word is jealous. But, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, but I went home and I DVR'd the Oscars. And um, that's the term some of us adults use. Uh, I know you young kids are cutting the cord. You don't know what a DVR is anymore. But for me, a DVR is the greatest invention ever made and i still worship it because it's great that i can just press a button and it's there for me when i'm ready i know you can do that with a bunch of other stuff but for some reason the dvr is the greatest and it brings me it reminds me of in the 70s when i was a young lad uh there was a show called the 6 million dollar man i love this crowd um yeah this was Well, now it's not the best show ever, but at the time when you're, you know, nine, and there's a movie about an astronaut who gets into a crash, and then they rebuild him with, you know, electronical equipment. It's the greatest show ever. See, the $6 million man had a bionic arm. They rebuilt it. Two bionic legs and this magical eye that he could see stuff with, and it made noise when he did it. Right, everybody knows, right. Well, you know, a lot of us know. And then there's the other people, you know... Mary-Kate, who has no idea what the hell I'm talking about, she's 22, she's a child, she doesn't know. And I go like this, what's this? She's like, I don't know, you're a retard, and that's the proper word for it. So yeah, that was the best show. I mean, I didn't know, I just saw the coming attractions for it, I'm like, this is going to be the greatest show ever. And that day that it premiered, for some reason, our family had to go to Kutcher's. Beth, do you right? Did I get that right? It was some one of those Jewy places that you got to go where, yeah, like gross singers or something. Some winter activity, and my dad hated that, but for some reason we had to follow this bridge group up there that my mother was so in love with, this bridge group. I, I don't know who the hell these people were, but we had to go away that weekend, and I was, of course, furious because The Six Million Dollar Man was airing that Friday night. It was premiering. Now that I think about it, I wonder why it was premiering in the winter and not a September. Anyway, it doesn't matter. This is the things I think about. This is why you're seeing this show tonight. Who would do this? So um, so I remember I was there, and I was very upset that I was going to have to miss it because for some reason the kids had to do activities. And for some reason, my father was allowed to stay in his hotel room and see it, which I still don't understand because then what was the point of going away unless oh, unless they're going to have sex? Oh, God, no. I didn't think about that. Um, no, I'm sure they didn't. Beth, back me. There's My sister's here. She knows what I'm talking about. They, he's just annoying, and he didn't want to leave, right? I mean, this guy is such a douchebag, my dad. We've, after he died, we, found, we were trying to find out what his AOL password was. The security question was, what is your favorite restaurant? And after a year of going through all the... We're telling he's dead. You send him the death certificate. We're like, but I've got to know. What is the answer to the question? We tried everything—the place where my parents met. Everything, right, Beth? And the answer was home. What an asshole! That's his favorite. We—who would have? What a dick! It still bothers me to this day. The AOL guy was like, All right, "Get ready for this." It's, uh. So he said, "So he watches the Six Million Dollar Man." Well, I'm downstairs with these other kids, annoying them, and I'm like, yeah, I'm missing the fucking $6 million, except my voice, like, missing the goddamn $6 million, man. <laughs> and finally, when I get back, and he's already watched it, and I'm like, what happened? What happened? And he's like, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and he must have been my age at this time, so that's even gay to just be like, oh, my God, this is the greatest <laughs> show ever. And he was just like, um, I'm like, well, what happened? He goes, well, there was this unbelievable scene where he's protecting this girl and he picks up this giant boulder and he throws at the bad guys and she's like, how did you do that? And he's like, vitamins. And I'm like, vitamins? Oh my God, I can't believe I missed that. He said vitamins? <laughs> oh man, that's the best show ever. So, I finally, I never, and he's like, you'll never get to see that again because they wouldn't air it ever again. It was a nightmare. I'll never get to see that episode Ever with air in the summer, maybe. Who knows when that's on? I never saw that episode, ever. Until about a week ago, actually. <laughs> when it was on Cozy TV and I finally saw the episode. And I was like, I can't believe I'm watching this. It said pilot. I'm like, pilot? This is it! This is it! And then, and then the, he did the thing, and he did the line, and I'm like, damn, that does work. It's pretty fucking good. <laughs> but here's the worst part. Now, you know, um, a couple years ago, I, I, I'd been thinking about the vitamin line for a long time. I'm like, because I never saw it. So it was in my head all the time. It's like when you heard about the movie Jaws, but you'd never actually gone to see it. And you're like, it's much worse, you know, if, you, if what's in your head. And I'm like, that vitamin line, I'm going to use that all the time, you know, because that's what I'm going to tell girls when I'm doing push ups. And like, well, how do you do so many push up vitamins? And like, right, you're on vitamins. But anyway, I looked up the guy who wrote the episode. Here's the point of the story because I'm an idiot. And his name is Elroy Schwartz. And, and you can look this up. And you can actually look it up now. Uh, and he apparently wrote almost his brother was Sherwood Schwartz, who created Gilligan's Island. And he actually wrote all of Gilligan's Island, like a lot of the episodes, where clearly now it was all making sense. Because vitamins is a stupid answer. And then I'm like, he's like sitting there with the guys, and he says, in like these, when he was interviewed, he's like, yeah, the writers on Gilligan's Island were always angry because they didn't think the show was going to work. And he goes, you're like, listen, you can't make a radio from a coconut. We'll make a radio for whatever I tell them to make a radio for. And like he was like very adamant about that. And they're like that's how he got, that's probably how he got that vitamins line through, because they're probably like, who's going to buy vitamins? Nobody's going to buy that. He goes, they'll buy whatever I tell them to buy. I was the one who told the Harlem Globetrotters to go to Gilligan's Island. He he did. He's clearly an insane man who talked the producers of the $6 million man into using that vitamins line, and the girl is going to be like, oh, 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 yes, you're on vitamins. That's the most hilarious line ever. So those are the people I worship. I tell What are we here for tonight? Oh, right, The Godfather, right. Um, oh, and by the way, if La La Land, if you feel that La La Land is worthy of more Oscar nominations than The Godfather, well, then just leave because... Um, <laughs> That I mean, kind of thank God it didn't win, I guess. I mean, do you think in 45 years people will be doing a reading of La La... Well, yeah, actually, probably the duplex they probably will, so I guess, I don't know. Anyway, everybody, this is going to be a great night. It's going to be awesome. Let me uh, get it going by bringing up our uh, comedian who's going to start us off this evening. He's fantastic. He just filmed or taped his uh, his special, his comedy special, right here about a month ago. Please welcome Nick Griffin, everybody. (laughs) Nick Griffin!
2: Thank you. Keep it going for Dave Dreskow, everybody, huh? (laughs) That was awesome. Dave didn't trust me to do some of the characters of The Godfather, but uh, he said, come up and talk in your own voice. So here I am. How are you? Wow, that didn't go well. (laughs) It's got to be Rachel. (laughs) Well, you look good. I'm glad you're here. I look like a youth minister. I don't know how to dress at this age, but uh, (laughs) I don't want to look like I'm trying too hard. That's my big thing. And I think I'm doing a good job. Everyone relax. It's going to be okay. It's hard out there, though, isn't it, outside? Jesus, everyone's jacked up out there. Don't you feel like everyone's just in a hurry all the time, everywhere? I feel like it should say at all the airports, welcome to America. Now move your ass. (laughs) just feel tension everywhere I go from people behind me just the national sound should be (sighs) people tell you your whole life to stop and smell the roses then you do and it's like not in front of me asshole (laughs) take those roses home and fucking smell them I don't want to do much anymore. I went to a big concert, though. That was my last big social event. Big, nice concert, sold out. 20,000 seats, but a lot of waiting. You've been to the big concerts? It's a lot of waiting. Got to wait to get into the concert? Got to wait for a drink? Got to wait for the bathroom? Got to wait for the band? (laughs) And before the band starts, they're always like, are you ready to rock? Yes, we are ready to rock. <laughs> we paid for parking, we bought a ticket. <laughs> How do I prove to you I'm ready to rock? <laughs> I can't hear you! <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> it's a music hall, it was built for acoustics. <laughs> now you're lying to me, no, I'm not ready to rock. You've actually killed my desire to rock. <laughs> and I was going to rock the fuck out of this place. <laughs> That's why I think concerts are for when you're young. Because when you're young and somebody says you're ready to rock, you get excited. Oh, my God. I am ready to rock. <laughs> How did that guy know? <laughs> but when you're a grown-up, you're busy. You're like, just fucking go. <laughs> Jesus. Play the six songs I like and wrap it up. And no drum solos. I don't know if they're good or not. Right? There's always a five-minute drum solo. Everyone's like, isn't that amazing? I'm like, I don't know. What's a bad drum solo sound like? What does he miss the drum? A lot of energy for this sweater. <laughs> I took a date to the concert, and then we got into an argument on the way out. And she started crying, which is awful. I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, God bless her with the feelings, but I. <clears throat> I don't know what to do when a woman is crying. When a guy's crying, you just step back because <laughs> he's clearly insane. <laughs> When a guy is crying, you just go, no! (laughs) But I don't know what to do when a woman is crying. I play it over in my head. It just seems silly what I'm saying. You know, tissue? Uh, Do you want to get married? How do I stop this? (laughs) (laughs) I feel helpless when a woman is crying. I get the same feeling when a woman is crying as I do when a toilet starts overflowing. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no! Oh, shit! God! Damn it. Son of a bitch. No, I got to lock the door and live here. So we broke up a couple weeks later. She broke up with me, which I prefer. I want the woman to break up with me. I don't like breaking up with people. I just... uh It's difficult, right? Because you don't want to hurt the other person's feelings, but you want them to go away forever. (laughs) It's tricky. Look, you're beautiful and talented and nice. Now get out. I feel like I'm getting at that age. I just got to stop breaking up with people. I don't even have a good reason anymore. I used to break up with women because I wanted to be with other women. No, I don't. Because I want to be alone, <laughs> which is fine. But you know, try telling a woman that. Is there another woman? Actually, no. <laughs> I'd rather be in an empty room. <laughs> So, and now I'm, you know, whatever I am, (laughs) older, first dates, first dates at my age. What the hell do you say on a first date at my age? So, what did you want (laughs) to (laughs) be? Sure, that's nice of you. uh, called my buddy the other day I said hey you want to go get some lunch he said I can't right now I'm taking a bath (laughs) I said that's okay I'm not hungry anymore (laughs) right he's taking a bath what kind of man takes a bath during the day (sighs) would you kill a guy What are you, an old prospector? (laughs) Come into town for a bath and a whore? (laughs) Women, I get it. You take baths any time, right? You have a glass of wine, you light a candle, you unwind, you relax. It's a good thing, but not for a man. If a man's taking a bath during the day, something horrible has happened. (laughs) Seriously, ladies, if you come home and your boyfriend's in the tub, run. (laughs) You're about to become part of a Lifetime movie. (laughs) The stranger in my tub. I don't know. So I called my buddy. I uh, didn't have lunch with my buddy, I guess. had lunch at home. I did. Made my own lunch, had a can of soup. That's the right response. (laughs) Yeah. No one gets excited about can of soup. Even the directions on a can of soup are pathetic. (laughs) Heat and stir. (laughs) You think you can do that, loser? You fucked up the rest of your life. You think you can heat and stir this soup? You know what? Just stir it. We're going to send somebody over to heat it for you. You know why soup says heat and stir on it? Because it can't say open the window and jump. So anyway, sitting there at the kitchen table eating my can of soup, reading the back of the can of soup. It's a big day for me. You know what the back of the can of soup had on it? Fancy serving suggestions. (laughs) It said, why don't you try adding chicken? I don't know, why don't you try adding chicken? (laughs) Didn't you make the soup? If you know chicken makes it better, shouldn't you have started with fucking chicken? I don't have time to add chicken. I'm writing a suicide note right now. I'm about to take the top of the can and run it across my wrist. Then I'm gonna take a bath. Thank you very much, that's all for me. Enjoy the rest of the show, everybody! Thank you. Dave Jusco.
0: Nick Griffin, everybody. Nick Griffin, yes. Yes. A handsome fella, too. Okay. Uh, we just have a little bit to, you know, we're going to fix this mic, right? So now i got to stall. Ugh, this is horrible. No, all right, we're going to go. Don't, don't worry, Noro, what's happening. Uh anyway, no, okay, so this is the thing. This is the Godfather. It's episode four, but it's still part one, thank you. Um and as you know it's uh, well you'll see what it's called. So anyway, our final episode in this Godfather part one, even though it's episode five, is May 9th. May 9th. Uh and it'll be called uh keep an eye out for Mo Green. And uh thank you. <laughs> uh And that'll be uh, the final, and, you know, we'll uh, kill all the five families. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Uh, Are we, uh, Jason, is it, oh, now he's coming. What about all that material I did where you could have been, all right. Uh, (laughs) Here he is. That's Jason, everybody. He's all right. He's okay. Okay. Well, we want to make sure everything's working so you get your money's worth which, uh, you know, from this 45-year-old film that we're just reading scripts from. And, uh, no, that's what we will be reading off scripts. And uh, because, you know, you can't expect comics to memorize stuff. <laughs> we have some actors, but they're not memorizing anything either. For 20 bucks, it's really not worth it. You can't really blame them. I say. So This is our cast of characters. This is our couch. And they will be uh, coming off and on stage... Uh, at multiple times, and things uh, they, uh, you know, well, I guess you'll see what happens. There's really no need to explain. We have had a six month break since the last one, so we will start off with uh, quite the flourish as you'll see in seconds. Is this ready? Okay. Then, uh, without further ado, now this is our band. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say the very handsome fellow on the right, but they're both so handsome, it's difficult to say they're both not handsome. Colin Smith in the ponytail is playing the guitar. <laughs> no, what, it's not, a, and Noam Dwarven, please, on the mandolin, I was about to get to you. No, I don't know why, he's, oh, you're wondering why he's playing that thing. I don't know, I told him to play music while he was introducing people on stage. It didn't occur to me, I didn't tell him that part. Actually, you're right. You know what? You don't need to play any music because I'll just have these guys play while we introduce everybody. Is that okay with everybody? So, no, Norman and Colin Smith. They're the best. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you who everybody is playing tonight, and I will introduce them one at a time. I will be playing the Godfather, Vito Corleone. I will also be playing Vitali, the Bodyguard, Button Man Number 1, and the Toll Collector. I have to give myself things to do. Uh, okay, playing our narrator this evening from Law and Order SUV. Please welcome Mr. Mark D. Friedman, everybody. He's huge. Yeah. <clears throat> playing Mama Corleone, Mama Vitale, and Lucy Mancini from the John Fugelsang Show on Sirius XM Radio. Well, you know, you never know when you're going to be called. It's hard to get out of there. Irene Bremis, everybody! Look how pretty she is. Dressed too pretty for her roles. Oh, thank you. Playing Don Tomasino from The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Please say hello to Paul Mercurio. Playing Fredo and Callo from Last Week Tonight with John Oliver and Inside Amy Schumer. It's William Stevenson, everybody. Playing Connie Corleone, Kay Adams, and the little girl. From Funny or Die, it's Bethel Karam, everybody's favorite actress. <laughs> Fing, playing Fabrizio, Bonasera, Button Man Number 2, and Little Frankie. From Late Night with Seth Meyers, please say hello to Matteo Lane. <laughs> playing Sonny Corleone from Last Comic Standing and, as the world turns, ladies, <laughs> D.C. Betty! <laughs> playing Tom Hagen from The Tonight Show and America's Got Talent, it's Tom Cotter! <laughs> Playing Apollonia from the movie Trainwreck and last comic standing, it's Rachel Feinstein. Playing Carlo Rizzi from the movie The Wrestler and comedians in cars getting coffee, it's the legendary Todd Barry, everybody. And as usual, playing Michael Corleone from America's Got Talent and the Comedy Cellar Podcast on Series XM, it's little Danny Natterman! And there is your cast of characters as we now present The Godfather. Sonny should have used the Easy Pass Lane, episode four. But first, a video. But let us go off stage first. A long time ago, in a city that we're standing in right now, the year of the Godfather. Episode 4 Sonny should have used the Easy Pass lane. Is a dark time for the Corleones. Although the evil police captain and drug lord have been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the Corleones into hiding across the galaxy. Evading the dreaded police and other Mafia families, a group of freedom fighters led by Don Tomasino have established a new secret based on the remote desert world of Sicily to keep Don Corleone's youngest son, Michael, safe from the clutches of the vile gangster, Barzini. The evil Barzini, obsessed with finding young Michael, has dispatched thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of the Italian countryside.
3: When we last left off, Michael Corleone had just gunned down a crooked police captain and drug lord Virgil Salozzo. After the execution, there was an uproar in the police and underground communities. No syndicate family had ever killed a New York City police captain. Michael escaped to Sicily as the Corleone family took the heat from other families. The newspapers have been full of headlines every day regarding the incident. Police hunt cop killer. City cracks down third month of gangland violence. Fortunately, the Corleone family had people from the press on their payroll, and the stories began to twist. Soon, the headlines read, Police Captain Linked with Drug Rackets, Mobster Parzini questioned an Underworld Feud. The Corleone family had been on lockdown, pretty much sleeping and eating, although many times throughout the montage we can see Clemenza in his underwear, which was not pretty sight when sitting down with fresh popcorn after an intermission break. As we pick up this episode, today's big headline reads, Syndicate Big Shot Vito Corleone Returns Home. All of the Corleone family is continuing to gather at the compound gate to greet the Godfather. As we move inside, the foyer is filled with relatives, including, as always, a damn crying baby. Tom Hagen, the Godfather's adopted son and now consigliere, the family starts up the steps as an attendant and button man carry the don on his stretcher up the stairs as the family watches as the bottom of the steps we see the don's hot-headed son Sonny, holding his son frankie we move into the don's bedroom as the family members have now come to pay their respects first a little girl i love
4: you
5: grandpa
3: Sonny gets his son Frankie to go over to his grandfather (laughs) and read from his handmade card. The kid is ridiculously nervous because it's clear Sonny made him do this, and I'm pretty sure the kid had probably never even met his grandfather before, and what a perfect time now that he's lying in bed from gunshot wounds. If Frankie doesn't uh, get this right, he's going to end up like Luca Brazzi when he's trying to read his letter at the wedding. All right. Here you are, big guy. Give it to pop
5: okay i hope
6: you get well grandpa and i wish i see you soon love your grandson frank what
7: the fuck was that i wish i'd see you soon where the fuck did you learn to write english get out of here go out with your mother go go ahead g- get downstairs come on jesus christ i'm i'm, I'm sorry pop uh, the education system it's just
8: uh... you're so right sonny
7: yeah, shut the fuck up carlo <laughs> go downstairs with the women and the children I thought maybe I could stay. Do me a favor, don't think. I don't need idiots thinking.
8: You know, Sonny, those are very hurtful words. (laughs) There's really no reason to treat me like that. (laughs) Get lost,
3: you fucking mook.
8: Okay, but I'm just saying, that attitude could really come back to haunt you.
3: Ooh.
8: (laughs) I'm scared.
3: Carlo leaves and goes downstairs to help the ladies in the kitchen. He's pretty upset about the way he was treated and hopes he can control himself so he doesn't take it out on his wife for some reason. We cut to the main gate. There are children playing ball. The ball bounces and a button man picks it up and tosses it back. Everyone is seemingly in a good mood now that the godfather is home. We cut to the dining room where Connie, Sonny's babysitter, and Carlo's wife are making dinner. She's putting bread on the table while Carlo is pouting.
5: What's the matter with you, Carlo?
3: Shut up and set the table.
5: Wow, Carlo. Where's that coming from?
8: Yeah,
3: that's right. I'm Carlo. Look out, bitches. <laughs> we cut back to, We cut back to the Don's bedroom. The Don in is in his bed holding cards and presents that have been given to him. Clemenza, Tessio, and his three eldest sons, Tom, Fredo, and Sonny, are standing around the bed. Tom is about to fill the Don in on events that have been happening since he's been out of it, trying to beat around the bush so as... Not to get the most devastating news, that his pride and joy son, Michael, was the one that killed Captain McCluskey.
9: Yes, since McCluskey's killing, the police have been cracking down on most of our operations, and also the other families. There's been some bad blood. They hit us, so we hit them back. Yeah, through our contacts at the newspapers, we've been able to put out a lot of material about McCluskey being linked with Salazzo and the drug rackets. See, things are starting to loosen up.
7: And I'm uh, sending Fredo to Vegas under the protection of Don Francesco. Just want him to rest. I'm going to learn the casino (laughs) business, man. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) But Don is trying to whisper something. Everyone kind of knows what he's about to ask. So the three sons continue to stall.
9: Yeah, so anyway, how about Fredo learning the casino business?
1: Yeah, I'm going to learn the casino business. <laughs> Shit.
7: Yeah. Fredo's going to learn uh, the casino business. <laughs> Who? Carlo? Oh, he's fine. I was, I was wondering what you were going to ask about him. Great guy. Great, great guy.
9: Yeah, terrific guy. Anybody have any weed? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah absolutely now yeah, we got that covered
7: <laughs> o- oil can oh oil can sure i i think we have that somewhere fredo go find uh, an oil can one oil can coming up
3: <laughs> the godfather has had enough and finally gets out the words he's been trying to muster get your filthy
0: paws off me you damn dirty ape what? Huh?
3: <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. Where's Michael? Uh-oh. The million-dollar question. The three brothers all stare at each other, and then Tom gives the Don the devastating news. It was Michael who killed Salazzo. But uh, you didn't let me finish. He's
9: safe, and we're starting to work to bring him back home now, and he's having the time of his life, time of his life out
10: there.
3: The Don then gestures for everyone to leave. He's had it with a lot of them. Tom and Sonny leave and descend the stairs together. Sonny is starting to get angry again. Gosh, what a hothead. I just hope he doesn't say anything he'll regret later. <laughs> I want to find out where that old pimp Tagli
7: is
9: hiding. I want his ass right now. Hey, Sonny. What? L- things are starting to loosen up a bit, okay? If you go after Tataglia, all hell's going to break loose. Come on, Tom. Look, let the smoke clear. Pop can negotiate. No, Pop can't do nothing till he's better. I'm going to decide what's going to be done. All right, but your war's costing us a lot of money. Nothing's coming in. What's the matter? We can't do business. Well, neither can they. Don't worry about it. They don't have our overhead. Well, what's our overhead? A few sausages for Comenza? Please, don't worry about it. It's worse than that. Although his meals are getting out of control, uh, we can't afford a stalemate right now. Well, there ain't going to be no more stalemate. I'm going to end it by killing that old bastard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill him. Well, well, you're getting a great reputation. I hope you're enjoying it. I am enjoying it. Good. I hope you are. Good, because I am. Good. Good.
7: <laughs> well, <clears throat> you just do what I tell you to do. God damn it. <laughs> 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 if I had a wartime conseclier, Sicilian, I wouldn't be in this shape. Pophead jenko, look what I got.
9: <laughs> Whoa, where's that coming from?
7: I'm sorry, I didn't mean that.
9: No, no, no. You you know what, Sonny? I always stick up for you. Whenever people say, that's Sonny, he's a loudmouth, and they say it a lot, I say, hey, you just don't know Sonny. When they call you an idiot, I say, Sonny's not an idiot. You just don't know him. Well, you know something, man? Maybe they know you pretty good. Maybe I'm just finding out now. What the fuck are you talking about? It was from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I just felt like it fit in really well right there. Was I wrong? Listen, Mom ate a little dinner. It's Sunday. Let's go eat. Yeah, all right. You just make sure you get those Earth, Wind, and Fire tickets or Jefferson's going to be bullshit.
3: We cut to the dining room later that evening with Tom, Sonny, Sonny's wife, Sandra, Carlo, Connie, and Mama Corleone. The family is eating at the table and Sonny is yapping away.
7: You know the niggas are having a good time with our policy banks up there in Harlem driving them new Cadillacs, paying 50% on a bet.
3: In this scene, comedian DC Benny improvised the (laughs) (sighs) N-word. Mind you... It is not actually in the movie, but DC felt it would really lift the scene up
10: if he did it.
3: Oh, darn it. I'm just kidding. It's in the script. The writer was trying to get DC in trouble because he's jealous and he's been able to get by on his dreamy good looks. Oops, I I mean the writer likes women and football. Let's pick up the scene at the dining room table. I knew that was going to happen as soon as they
8: started making big money. Yeah.
5: Well, Papa never talked about business at the table in front of the kids.
8: Hey, shut up, Connie. Sonny's talking. Hey, don't you ever tell her to shut up. You got that?
11: don't interfere.
8: Yes, Mama. (laughs) Hey, look, Sonny, Tom, I'd like to talk to you maybe after dinner. I could be doing a lot more for the family. We don't discuss business at the table. That's some attitude you got, dummy.
3: (laughs) I can't tell who's a bigger douche in this scene. (laughs) Connie is not upset about her brother using the N-word at the table in front of their children, but she's more upset he's talking, quote, business. And now he's uh, telling a story about black people driving Cadillacs. What are they supposed to talk about at the table? Sounded like a rousing discussion starter to me. (laughs) Then, of course, Carlo's such a tool, he tells his wife to shut up in front of her mother and uh, hot-headed brother. (laughs) Then he has the nerve to ask for a job after that. Carlos should take a lesson from Rodney Dangerfield at the end of the movie Easy Money. Here's a small scene performed by some of our cast.
11: (laughs) Shrimpton, no dessert for Mr. (laughs) Capiletti. Right, Mom. And Shrimpton, Mr. Capiletti is skipping coffee, too. It'll keep me awake, right, Mom? Right, dear. And Shrimpton, I noticed a bottle of beer in the refrigerator. Get rid of it.
0: Uh, right, again, Mom. Uh, For years, I wouldn't kiss my mother-in-law in the
3: mouth. I wind up kissing her ass! (laughs) Okay, okay. What the hell are we doing here? Let's move on to the brilliant countryside of Sicily, Italy. It's a very hot day. Michael is walking with his bodyguards, Fabrizio and Calo, who are always carrying their luparas. This deadly shotgun was a favorite weapon of the Mafia. We are privy to a cascading view of the mountains and fields of sheep. A car drives up to them and stops. Fabrizio opens the door for Don Tomasino, who is an old and trusted friend of the family and Don Corleone.
6: I kiss you your hand, Don Tomasino.
8: Hey, Michael, why are you so far from the house, eh? You know, I'm responsible to your father for you.
12: Yeah, it's okay. I'm with Callo and Fabrizio. These guys are completely trustworthy. I foresee no issues in the future with them.
8: <laughs> <laughs> it is still dangerous. We, we've heard from some Santino in New York. You're your enemies.
12: Jesus, they know you're
8: here. Oh Jesus, those people are good.
12: They know everything. Did Santino say when I can go back? Not yet, it's, uh,
8: it's out of the question. Fuck! <laughs> Where are you going now? Corrione.
12: Take my car. No, I wanna walk.
8: Oh, fuck! <laughs>
12: You got a problem,
6: Fabrizio? Uh, no. <laughs> I love walking. I love walking in unbelievable heat in Sicily. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> great, boss. Thanks for the privilege.
12: Uh, that's what I thought.
6: Piece shit. I have
3: The three continue their walking tour of trees and dirt. What a nightmare. Fabrizio thinking the entire time the Corleone family has all the money and they couldn't hide out in a Hyatt hotel for a year. This blows. <laughs> And to top it off, it looks like Corleone is at the top of a hill. So they have to keep walking up a mountain. The church bells begin to ring. Kahlo points out that they have reached Corleone. And what a dump it is. As they walk further into town, Michael notices the streets are quite empty.
12: And Where have all the men gone? They're dead from vendettas.
3: <laughs> from vendettas?
12: Gee, oh my God, we are a sorry lot.
3: Callow points to the plaque on the nearby wall.
12: There are the names of the dead. Well, on the flip side, a land populated by only women. Hello. <laughs> you know, I think I could do well here. Heck, Fredo could do well here.
3: We dissolve to a country road. Michael, Callow, and Fabrizio walking on the side of the road as an American jeep arrives.
6: Hey! take me to America, G.I.
3: Another army jeep arrives by.
6: Hey, hey, take me to America, G.I., Clark Gable, eh?
3: A third army jeep hey, America, by.
6: America, by. take me to America, Clark Gable.
3: Oh, my God, would you
12: shut up? What the fuck is with you in Clark Gable, anyway? You know Clark Gable's a dude, right? Also, we're in hiding. Hiding? You understand, you incomparable imbecile?
3: We dissolve to the Sicilian countryside. (laughs) Young village girls pick flowers and sing unaware of Michael, Fabrizio, and Calla watching them. One of the
10: girls
3: (laughs) is startled when she sees Michael. Michael feels his heart pounding in his chest. The blood was surging in his body and obviously in his pants.
10: Yowza!
6: Mamma mia, what a beauty. Uh, uh Uh-oh, I think you got hit by a thunderbolt. Michael, in Sicily, women are more dangerous than shotguns. And I thought you had a girlfriend in America. Uh, Who's it it now? (laughs) The girlfriend. What's her name? A J-something. Oh, uh, right. K, yes.
12: K, right. Yes, K. Yes, K, well, uh... Fabrizio, my Italian friend, you see, in America it's kind of like this. You have your pretty and you have... Well, let me put it this way. You have your Diane Keatons and and then you have your... Holy shit, there's one of these somewhere.
6: Okay, I don't understand.
12: (laughs) That's because you're a douchebag.
3: Apollonia turns to look at Michael. It seems she also has an instant attraction. We dissolve to later that day. Michael, Fabrizio, and Calo walk up to a small village cafe. The owner of that cafe, Vitelli, begins yelling something into the kitchen and then welcomes the guests who are seating themselves at the table. Because Fabrizio and Calo are carrying shotguns, the owner assumes they've been out on a hunt. I mean, why should he think anything else just because all of the men in the village are dead from vendettas? <laughs> who the hell is staying there? A lot of ownerships and business. What an idiot! Did you have a good hunt? Hey,
6: you know all the girls around here? We saw some real beauty. Real beauties? Oh, yeah, sure. One of them struck our friend like a thunderbolt. She would tempt the devil himself. Yeah, tempt the
3: devil.
0: Ah, I understand. Uh, Real
1: girly. The
3: The telly begins to make the curvy shape of a woman with his hands to show the boys he's hip to the ladies.
6: Really put together, eh, Carlo? Oh, yeah, really put together. (laughs) Hey, are you repeating everything I'm saying? Am I repeating everything you say? (laughs) Anyways, such hair, such a mouth. A boca. What the fuck, man? No,
1: I said it in Italian, so technically it's not repeated. Uh, the girls around here are beautiful, but virtuous.
6: Whoa, not this one. She's a definite full blown whore. <laughs> And you know what I'm talking about. One that will definitely give it away the first night. Uh, Oh, yeah. I know the type. Ooh, la, la. Ready to get down on her knees and a (laughs) hoo-ha. And this one had a purple dress and a purple ribbon in her hair. A purple ribbon. Okay, dude, this is out of control. Are you high?
3: A little bit. (laughs) You know what the weird part is? This part where Kayla repeats everything Fabrizio is saying is actually in the movie. You just don't notice because it's in Italian. Wait until you see it again. You'll laugh every time you see it now. And the people that are watching with you haven't seen this live production will be like, what the fuck is so funny about this scene? And you'll be like, it's hard to explain. And they'll be like, you fucked up. And you'll be like, your mother-in-law is also on my case. And, and they'll be like, that's because you don't give her a chance. And then, I'm sorry, i just having a tough day. Let's get back to the script.
6: And she's a type more Greek than Italian. So Greca d'Italiana. Okay, come on. My God, man.
0: <laughs> oh, she sounds like a hottie from Sicily. Oh, boy, would I like to get my hands on a woman like that. It's the kind of woman you can just flip her over and walk, walk, ha-ha. <laughs> uh, do you know her? Oh, I wish I did. She sounds like a little scam. <laughs> uh, wait. Uh, did you say purple dress and a purple ribbon more Greek than Italian? Si.
3: Yes. (laughs) The old man thinks for a second and then gets violently angry.
0: No! There's no girl like this in this town!
3: The owner turns and enters the cafe, yelling. Fabrizio gets up to look into the cafe, then comes back really panicked.
6: Uh Uh-oh. I understand. Uh, What's wrong?
3: Callow shrugs and begins to collect his things. Things have turned quite sour somehow.
1: Uh, Let's
6: go. It's his daughter.
12: His daughter?
1: Holy shit. Let's get the hell out of here and get some weed.
12: (laughs) Tell him to come here.
1: Uh, No way,
6: Jose. You obviously don't understand. It's his daughter. I'm speaking English now. His daughter.
12: No, no. Call (laughs) her.
6: Absolutely not. You just told me you wanted to fuck his daughter in the ass. No, I didn't. He said that. Oh, okay. Right.
3: Fabrizio gets up to bring back Vitelli, but just in case he dons his libar before going in. Fabrizio, Vitali, and other men emerge from the cafe. Vitelli looks irate. Fabrizio, traduce
12: par me. Si, signore. I apologize if I offended you. Mi scusa
6: se ho offeso. I am a stranger in this country. Io sono straniero questo paese.
12: And I meant you no disrespect or... You're ridiculously hot daughter.
6: E volevo dire senza mancare di rispetto a voi. È tua figlia, incredibilmente caldo. Can I talk in English again? This is really killing me.
12: Shut up and keep translating. Si tu vuoi mantenere e traducendo. Not that part, no. you idiot. I'm an American hiding in Sicily. Sono un
6: ascolidro-americano Sicilia. My
12: name is Michael Eccolione. Il mio nome è Michele Eccolione. And I don't mind telling you, there are people who'd pay a pretty penny for that information—a pretty, pretty penny.
6: Ci sono persone che ci a bella penny per questa informazione. è bella bella penny. That's a very interesting information. You seem like a great guy.
12: But then your daughter would
6: lose a father. Ma boy la vostra figlia. C'è
12: cosa? instead of gaining a husband.
3: Fabizio pauses a minute before translating because he can't believe what he just heard.
12: <laughs> well, Go ahead, tell him.
6: Uh, boss, are you sure you want to do this? Carlo may be an idiot, but remember he said in Sicilia, the women are more dangerous than shotgun. He might be under
10: something.
0: Oh, shit. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> every time. Every time.
10: <laughs> 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 I live
1: by that code, but I crave danger. <laughs> it was worth it.
12: <laughs> There's one girl under 70 in the entire town. And God knows how long I'm going to be in this smelly hellhole. I mean this beautiful landscape of a town.
6: Invece di guadagnare un matro.
12: I got to say. I Didn't have to see that coming. I want to meet your daughter.
6: Voglio incontrare sua figlia. With your permission. Con tuo permesso. And under the supervision of your family. è sotto la supervisione della vostra famiglia. With all respect. CECOSA!
12: How dare you talk to me like that? I'm a man of respect in this town! Fabrizio, you idiot, what did you say to him?
6: I told him you like other guys' cocks. <laughs> but why? I don't know, jealousy. Like you said, every woman is 70 and under. You come here with your olive oil voice and your guinea charm. By you,
8: little!
12: I'm gonna get you, Fabrizio. I'm gonna find you even if it's in the deleted scenes, no matter what it takes. Even if I have to go all the way to a pizza place in Buffalo and take you out. Now, Kyle, tell him what I really said. Signor Vitelli,
1: Michael said you all right.
3: Vitelli calms down and thinks, gosh, Michael's all right, too. Vitaly combs his hair back and picks up his suspenders, puts the over of his shoulders properly, as he now is a proud father giving his blessing to this guinea brat. Come to my house Sunday morning.
1: My name
12: is Vitaly. Okay, but not too early. I sleep in. For the love of.
0: Fine, now let's see you then.
12: Do I have to bring anything? Yes,
0: gifts for my entire family.
12: What? Where the hell am I going to get gifts in this shithole of a town at this hour? How dare you listen to get
0: spoiled. a
12: Okay, wait, wait, wait. All right, this is getting out of hand. Now just answer me one question. See? Sí. What is this virtuous, vaginally virginal creature's name?
1: Apollonia.
12: Mm. Oh, wow, that's hot. Although, are there any girls named Apollonia that aren't hot? I think not. All right, I'll see you Sunday around 2.
0: All right, but lunch is at 10.
12: Fine. And one last thing, though. Now that you know my name, don't put it, on a li- don't put it online or anything. I have a girlfriend at home, and I'd prefer if she didn't know about me marrying someone Why else. Why, you little... Yeah, this guy gets it.
3: We dissolve to Don Tomasino's Villa Courtyard. It's in a beautiful but hot Sicilian Sunday morning. Michael, Calo, and Fabrizio all get in the car to drive to Vitelli's.
12: Any more people in here, we're going to need some lube.
3: Fabrizio and Calo (laughs) laugh so hard, Michael can't believe it. That joke never works in America. (laughs) Boy, are they starving for comedy here. We dissolve to Vitelli's yard, daytime. Michael is carrying the annoying gifts he was asked to bring as he is introduced to the relatives.
12: This is a lot to go through just to get laid. I mean, uh, where your daughter at?
3: Just as Michael had spoken those words, the beautiful, stunning Apollonia appears and seductively descends the steps, sits on the bench beside her mother. Madonna with meatballs! <laughs> yes, she is a lovely. gusta ma figlia Apollonia, gusto Michael Corleone.
4: Ciao, papi.
3: Woof! Apollonia shakes Michael's hand and accepts his gifts. She looks at her mother, who must give her permission to open it.
11: It's okay, Mama. (laughs) Go ahead, open it. This better be good. Really? You gotta look to your mother so you can open a present?
12: This is clearly only happening because you're hot, right? Otherwise, who in their right mind would go
3: through all this? Apollonia unwraps the gift and opens a box with a heavy gold chain to be worn as a necklace. Her mom then reaches into her blouse and reaches for a loop, you know, one of those diamond magnifying glasses (laughs) she has hanging around her neck for a closer inspection. Apollonia looks at her mother for approval again.
11: Uh, uh (laughs) Uh, This is good for
4: starters, yes.
11: You can say something now.
3: (laughs) Which in English stands for my boobies, thank you. The whole family was in awe of the gift, not only because of the chain's obvious value, but because of the gift of gold in this society was also a statement of the most serious intention. Well, duh.
4: (laughs) Grazie, papi, I like you.
3: (laughs) Prego. We dissolved to Vitelli's Café, assumingly later that day. But in the book, this courtship with the girl and the family went on for weeks... He couldn't get rid of the girls' family, let alone Apollonia's annoying mother, and he had to bring Apollonia a present every time he came by. What a scam. (laughs) Michael and his bodyguards drive up to Vitelli's cafe and sit with his annoying entire family again. Michael and Vitelli are at one end of the table, and Apollonia is at the other end. Vitelli is in a very good mood for someone who had his life threatened only a week ago by his new son-in-law. Everybody is eating and being merry. So, uh, what
12: happened to your eye? Oh, uh, this? uh, Well, it's nothing. I I hit a deer on the highway. And There's uh, no deer around here. Yeah, I got hit with the, uh, what do you call it, the paw, you know? The hoof. Right, the hoof. (laughs) And that reminds me, I got to take this knife. Is that okay? just as long as you bring it back.
3: While Michael is spreading more lies around the country, Apollonia is giving him an affectionate stare from the opposite end of the table. She's now wearing the gold chain around her neck and seductively touches the necklace to show Michael she's quite interested in him. Michael, who's been quite pent up from this month-long courting process, gives her the hand gesture for blowjobs.
12: Hey, what the hell does that mean? Oh, uh, well, in America, that's a sign of patriotism and great respect.
0: Boy, you've got some crazy customs in America.
12: Hey, you're telling me. You should see the sign for asking for the check.
0: Something I assume I won't be seeing.
12: Not right after I keep bringing all these gifts. Oh, by the way, how much longer is this damn courtship going to last? I mean, right now I settle for a courtship with Mr. Eddie's father.
3: hey <laughs> <laughs> We cut to what should be a lovely hilltop in the village, but really just looks like a really horrible, hot, rocky dirt road that one would live in if you were living in Game of Thrones times, not the <laughs> mid-1900s. Michael and Apollonia are walking and talking. Behind them walk many female relatives, and behind them are Fabrizio and Callo with their trusty luparas.
12: So how you doing, man? Hey, uh... When do we lose the family and I get to see those
4: tatas? Tatas. (laughs) see.
12: Hell of a gal. See, (laughs) papi. Terrific girl.
4: Yes, and how you say, I love your cock.
12: <laughs> oh, you're adorable. But you're thinking of my brother Sonny. wonder what he's up to.
10: Hmm.
3: We, we fade back to America and Lucy Mancini's apartment building. Lucy Mancini is Sonny's mistress. If you missed the first episode in this series, I don't mind recapping Lucy's situation because it's hilarious. Lucy has what we in the medical profession like to call a pelvic malformation. (laughs) However, in the comedy profession, we enjoy referring to it as a huge vag. (laughs) Sonny's massive cock is the only thing that can apparently (laughs) satisfy her and it. Now, if you think this is made up, I'd like to quote from the book, if I may. The following passage is what Sonny's wife Sandra says to Connie on her wedding day when she's nervous about losing her virginity on her honeymoon to Carlo. My God, Sandra had giggled when I saw that pole of Sonny's for the first time and realized he was going to stick it into me. I yelled bloody murder. After the first year, my insides felt as mushy as macaroni boiled for an hour. Well, okay. anyway. We're outside Lucy's Mancini's apartment building. Three bodyguards are pitching pennies outside where Sonny's car is parked. As we move inside, there are also two more bodyguards inside the lobby and then two more on the stairs. This is a massive amount of bodyguards for one booty call, but Sonny knows he's a marked man. We now join Sonny and Lucy post-coitus.
11: So, am I going to see you again? Hey, don't
7: talk like that. You know you're the only girl for me when I'm desperate and horny.
11: What? Oh, Sonny, you're so sweet.
7: And you're just really unattractive. I gotta tell you, I feel like we got a little Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky thing going here, you know? I'm I'm kind of an Adonis, and you're like, well, you know.
11: Well, what if I fixed my vagina like we talked about? Hey, hey,
7: this is 1946. No one does work like that yet. You should start by maybe losing some weight first. What? I was just suggesting it is all.
11: I thought you liked me like this.
7: I do, I do. You know, I'm, I'm just saying it can't be good for your health. This is 1946 and people are starting to become conscious about their health.
11: Why do you keep telling me it's 1946? This is so weird. Your brother was doing this at the wedding when he kept asking me if I liked lasagna.
7: All right, all right, listen, just relax. I'm going to see you in a few days, you know, when I'm horning again.
11: Okay, but don't forget to shave your back before you come. What did you say? Nothing, nothing. It's just that you're a little hairy is all. And when I say a little, I mean like freakishly (laughs) apish. You should maybe cut off uh, of the wife beaters as well. They don't help.
7: This is 1946.
3: No man grooms
7: yet.
11: Oh, my God. Enough with the 1946.
3: Sonny opens the door to leave. A bodyguard is waiting outside the door as Lucy gooses Sonny from behind. Hey, I'm gonna knock you dizzy. Ew. Sonny leaves and hops with a spring in his step down the stairs. Save it for the library. Ew, really?
7: Come on, really? We got, listen, we gotta go pick up my sister. Let's go. Do you do you wanna stop off and shower first? No, why?
10: <laughs> no reason.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I gave it to her good in there. I already said ew. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm that good.
0: And, and and so we're clear, you're bragging about fucking Lucy Mancini, right? Yeah, that's right. Huh? You got a problem with that, pal? No, 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 no. I mean, if we, if we were honest and you were like, I don't know, there's something about her. You know, like every Molly Ringwald
3: movie from the 80s, but this, this, this is just not good. Sonny is about to leave the building, but before he exits, he looks around to see it safe.
7: You know what? Go back up there and get Lucy to walk out in case there's a sniper. I'll walk behind her.
3: We cut to Connie and Carlo's apartment. A very pregnant Connie unlocks the door for Sonny and turns away from him.
7: Hey. I just got lucky with Lucy Mancini. Boy, I'll tell you, she's something else, huh? Am I right or am I right? I'm right or am I right? I'm right, right?
3: Connie spins around to show Sonny her bruised face. Instantly, Sonny knows Connie's husband, Carlo, has beaten her. Sonny bites his knuckles with rage as Connie pleads with him (laughs) not to go crazy.
5: It was my fault! Where is he? Sonny, please! let him be. I hit him, so he hit me. I mean, that's what you said in the beginning of the episode. They hit us, so we hit them back. Isn't that the way it's supposed to go? I'm sorry. Were you just bragging about fucking Lucy Mancini? <laughs> I I missed that at the beginning. Oh, sh-
7: Uh, It's okay. uh, I'm just going to get a doctor to come and and, and take a look at you, all right?
5: I hope you're using protection with Lucy because I don't want to be in a position years from now when I have to have an illegitimate son of yours take over the family. (laughs) I mean, unless he was played by Andy Garcia or something because hello. (laughs) (laughs) You think sleeping with Lucy Mancini is gross? How about this scenario? Your illegitimate kid sleeping with our brother Michael's daughter... I mean, that's fucked up, right? But that being said, I'm sure you're smart enough to use protection, so that'll never happen. Oh, and Sonny, please don't do anything to Carlo. He's an all right guy. He almost won roast battle.
10: Okay?
7: Okay, okay. What's the matter with you? What am I going to do? I'm going to make a baby an orphan before he's born? What?
10: Well, I'm
5: not going to... <laughs> oh, it's funny. Ah, you're hilarious. All right, I believe you. I mean, why shouldn't I? My brothers would never lie to me. How <laughs> lucky am I to be a part of such a great family.
7: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But just, you know, uh, just curiously, where do you think Carlo is right now? Just wait, out of...
5: Wait, wait, wait a minute. Are, are you... Uh, no,
7: no, no, I'm not... I thought I'd get a cup of coffee with him or something. It's not a big deal. Do you have any garbage can lids? It's just unrelated.
10: <laughs> oh,
5: well, if you're sure there won't be any nonsense, because this baby needs a father who hits his wife and tells her to shut up all the time in front of her family, let alone the fact that he works as a bookmaker. So you remember that?
7: Yeah, yeah. I, totally. I get it.
5: Okay. Uh, I think he's hanging out on a stoop on a random corner. <laughs> what a great guy. All right. Well, I'll be
7: going now. Uh, not to do anything vicious or anything. Just I'm just going to walk out.
5: See ya
3: we cut to East 112th Street Daytime, a candy store, which was the front for headquarters of Carlo Rizzi's small bookmaking business. This is the living Don Corleone cut out for Carlo after marrying his only daughter. No wonder he hates the Corleones. Carlo is leaning on the top of the stoop next door with the other men studying the newspapers they gave the starting pitches, trying to pick out winning baseball bets for the day. Carlo is being a real tough guy and... Taking real tough, talking real tough after beating up on a pregnant girl. A huge fat guy leaves the building, and Carlo comments on him.
8: This fat slob's still betting the Yankees pretty heavy. <laughs> you tell him to stop taking action on him, all right? We lost enough money last week on the
3: game. All of a sudden, Sonny cars appear and screeches to a halt. Sonny runs out of the car. He picks up a sawed-off broomstick and immediately throws it at Carlo. Hey, that could have hit me.
8: Carlo, come here. Come here. Come here. Feet come fail me now.
3: <laughs> After a short chase, Sonny catches up to Carlo. Are you mad? You bastard. Sonny is about to punch Carlo while Sonny's bodyguards hold back on But Carlo is more wily than expected and pulls a pair of glasses from his pocket.
10: <laughs>
3: you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you? Sonny punches and kicks Carlo, then Carlo screams as Sonny bites Carlo's knuckles, which are clenched to a metal fence. Hey, no biting. <laughs> I
8: assume that was an unwritten rule of unmanly things not to do.
3: Sonny picks up a garbage can lid.
8: Hey, Sonny, you don't have to put the lid back on that can. That's quite kind, but they pick up whatever you have, whether they have the lid on it or not. Sonny
3: slams the garbage oh, can lid on Carlo's head over and over.
8: Ow, Hey! You know what? you got to ease up on that backhand because you'd really throw out your shoulder that way.
3: Shut up. Sonny continues to slam the garbage can lid on Carlo.
8: This isn't actually that bad. These lids weren't made that sturdy back then. The biting, though, that's still a little weird.
3: The one-sided fight continues until Carlo ends up motionless on his back in the downpour of an open fire hydrant that children were playing in.
8: Boy, you really ruined that kid's birthday party that was going on here. You touch my sister again, I'll kill you Wait, that's what this is all about? I thought you were angry about the comment I made about that fat guy earlier Wow, you are really quite the hothead, huh? Also, this overly protective sister nonsense You got kind of a Scarface thing going on here I'll be honest with you, it's a little off-putting
3: As Sonny begins to walk away, he stops, goes back, and kicks Carlo one last time
8: Well, you see, that's just overkill
3: As Carlo cowers in the gutter, he contemplates how grateful he actually was to be thrown into the open fire hydrant knowing that Sonny had his hands all over him after being with Lucy Mancini. Gross. We cut back to the small Sicilian village and the church where Sonny's old other brother is about to take a different kind of plunge. It's a joyous day as Michael and Apollonia are in the midst of their wedding. The priest blesses Michael and Apollonia as they kneel at the church's entrance. Michael whispers in Apollonia's ear that she hopes she will be familiar with this position on her knees on their honeymoon. Is this the little girl I carry?
6: Is this the little boy at play? I don't remember growing older.
10: When
1: did
10: they?
12: I do, I do. For God's sake, let's just get to the honeymoon already.
8: I now pronounce you a man and a wife.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Mazel <Muzzle-tow. laughs> <laughs> 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 tov. are big applause. The bridal possession makes its way up the street. As the band plays in front of them, the bride and groom are followed by the procession, which includes Tomasino being helped with his wheelchair by Carlo and Fabrizio.
12: Oh my god, we have to continue walking? Well, at least we're walking downhill this time.
6: How oh, in the hell are we supposed to roll his wheelchair over these rocks? This was not in my job description.
3: Four girls behind the newlyweds threw confetti at them.
12: This is so annoying. Has anyone ever waited this long for penetration before?
6: A guy told me something really neat last year. What's that? Uh, have you ever bopped your bologna?
12: Get out of here, you idiot!
3: After, what, like, what, after like what seems to be the longest walk ever, the procession finally gets back to the bottom of the hill. The immediate family are now seated in chairs in a circle as Michael and Apollonia spoon out confetti to their guests. The confetti was a Sicilian candy made of almonds, dipped in chocolate and covered with a hard sugar coating. The colors celebrate different events. For the birth of a boy, they would be blue. For the girl, pink. For the graduation, red. And for a wedding, they are white. So now you know what and why they are doing this ridiculous bit. After the two finish passing out the confetti, the band begins to play a slow number so Michael and his new lovely bride can dance. As they dance, <laughs> Apollonia. All right. As they dance, Apollonia, who doesn't know how to dance, is counting. Unfortunately, to Michael's dismay, she's using the days of the week for numbers.
4: Monday, Tuesday. (laughs) Thursday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday.
12: Oh, look at you. You know the days of the week.
4: Si, papi.
12: (laughs) Well, that's adorable.
3: The music ends, and we fade To the big consummation night. Tony D'Annunzio from Caddyshack is jumping up and down, trying to get a (laughs) glimpse as Michael closes the shades and gives him the finger as he does so.
4: Beat it!
12: (laughs) Well, 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 here we are. I'll just close these shades. And I'll just change these lamps with a little artifact I brought from the States. Say hello to my little red light bulb friend. Don't be scared, baby. I'm going to be real gentle with you. I know this is your first time.
4: Yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs>
10: <laughs>
4: first time. Yes, first time. In, in vagina, yes. See, <laughs> si, papi.
12: Yes, the first time in the... Va- hey, wait a minute!
3: The two stare at each other for a while. Michael pulls Apollonia closer and kisses her forehead.
4: (laughs) The forehead is not my titties. (laughs) Why are you kissing my forehead? We discussed this.
3: Apollonia pulls down her nightgown straps and exposes her boobies.
12: Hello. (laughs) Well, I guess you want to get right down to business, don't you? You certainly are a vision to behold. I mean, you are the true meaning of beauty. Almost like a goddess, comprende? Having said that, (laughs) what's up with those tatas? There's like no areola.
4: No, no areola. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't don't have that. No, papi, it's not something I have. Let's not talk about it. It's uncomfortable.
12: (laughs) So that you can say in English, even though you don't have one.
4: Yes, a couple of things, yes.
12: <laughs> Not that I'm complaining. I'll just stare at them awkwardly a while, and then I guess we'll get down to business. Areola, she knows! <laughs> oh, anyway.
3: We cut back to New York and the Colleon compound daytime. Kay Adams gets out of the taxi cab. Oh, right. We forgot about Kay Adams. You know, Michael's steady girlfriend from college? Gee, I guess Michael forgot about her, too. What's she doing at the compound? Oh, This probably isn't going to end well. A button man lets Kay through the gate, although I'm not sure why, since Tom is about to let her have it. Tom comes running out of the house to meet her. What's up, girlfriend? Hey, uh, we weren't expecting
9: you. You know, Kay, you really should call first. It's the polite thing to do.
5: Yes, well, I have been calling. I mean, I tried writing and calling. Now I want to reach Michael. Nobody
9: knows where he is. We know that he's all right, but that's all we know.
5: Well, how do you know he's all right if you don't know where he is? It sounds like you know a lot more than what you're saying. I know nothing! Wow, that's a pretty big car wreck over there. Over where? Uh, Hello, it's right behind you. You're kidding, right? That car is smashed to bits. Oh,
9: that wreck, yeah.
5: Yes, that wreck.
9: What happened? Well, I don't know anything about it, and I don't know who was in it or how the car got here, but I know that nobody was hurt.
5: What? That's exactly the answer you gave me about Michael.
9: Well, you might be right but that's all I can tell you about our business.
5: I didn't ask you about your business. What the hell's the matter with you? I'll tell you this. If I ever marry into this family, the first thing I'm asking is about the business. I gotta find out what's going on here. It's all so suspect, you know?
9: Well, you might be right, but that's all I can tell you about our business.
5: What's your deal, man? And I swear to God, if you ask me how my lasagna was, I'm gonna knee you in the balls. Anyway... May I at least ask you to give this letter to Michael?
9: Well, if I accept the letter, in court of law, they could prove that I have knowledge of Michael's whereabouts, so no can do.
5: Oh, my God, you are such a cock. (sighs) Well, you've certainly covered your bases.
9: Now, you just be patient, Kay, and sure enough, he'll reach out to you, all right?
5: Fine. Listen, I let my cab go, so can I come in to call another one, please?
9: Absolutely not. No, no can do. Totally out of the question.
5: Oh, my God, for real?
9: If I can be honest with you, Kay, I, I'm not sure why you're so into Michael. I mean, our whole family is just a big bunch of
5: dicks. What can I say? I like things that are unholy and evil. Mm. Oh, by the way, how's your wife? Oh, great. And Fredo?
10: Oh, terrific. Where's Michael?
5: Sicily. Gotcha! Fuck!
3: <laughs> we cut to Connie and Carlo's apartment that evening. The phone rings as a pregnant Connie enters to pick it up.
5: Slow, I'm pregnant.
3: <laughs>
5: Hello? Hello? Is Carlo there? Who is this? This is a
12: friend of Carlo's. What? Would you tell him that...
5: that I can't make it until later? Sounds like you're on the moon. What? Who the hell is this?
12: All right, look, it's Mike. I was just disguising my voice. What's going on over there? I just got married. Connie slams the phone down. Bitch! No, oh, seriously, it's Michael. Hello. Hello. This, this is costing me a fortune. I was kidding that I was looking for Carlo. Oh, seriously, I just kept... This mic is fucked up, Dave.
10: <laughs>
12: no, seriously, I... I... just got married. Oh. Tell everyone. Bob, on the phone. Bad connection? I'm calling America.
3: There's no Wi-Fi.
12: Yeah, the place with the days of the week. My God, woman. One moment of peace. Hello. How damn it. They say by 1964 we'll be able to video chat.
3: Just a few more years I have to wait, I guess. Connie walks over to the bedroom where Carlo was tying his tie in a mirror.
5: Dinner's on the table.
3: Not hungry yet.
5: The food is on the table. It's getting cold.
8: I'll eat out later.
5: You just told me to make you dinner!
8: Hey, bafangul, eh? Leave me alone.
5: Ah, bafangul? Bafangul. Well, I guess, uh, bafangul you. In fact, how about bafangul this and bafangul that? Strangely saying the word bafangul is making me feel better. But I'm gonna break some dishes to make my point anyway.
3: Connie runs into the kitchen and we begin to hear breaking dishes. What the hell is she up to now, this little guinea brat? Connie is breaking dishes, throwing eggs on the floor, and basically doing everything Lorraine Bracco said not to do in Goodfellows when she couldn't believe some of the wise would curse and spit on their own floor. And I quote, She used to spit on her own floor. That made no sense to me. That's
8: it. Break it all, you spoiled guinea brat. Break it all.
5: Well, I was going to stop here, but now you're encouraging me. I'll mess up this beautifully set dinner table. I'll do it.
8: I dare you to mess up that dinner table. You don't have the guts.
3: Connie breaks the plates on the set table, throws a pitcher of wine, and then throws the salad. Salad? Ooh, I'm scared.
5: Why don't you bring your whore home for dinner?
3: (laughs) Maybe I will. Connie, screaming and crying and looking (laughs) desperately for something to break, pushes vases and dishes from the top of the cabinet onto the floor, breaking them.
8: Oh, that's just great. You know that one vase had Genko's ashes in it. Now clean it up. Oh,
5: like hell I will!
3: Now Carla was really pissed and begins to remove his belt. That's never a good sign. Clean it up. Clean it up, you guinea spoiled brat.
5: Do you ever say anything else besides spoiled guinea brat? Also, do you ever change the inflection in your voice? I gotta tell you, you don't sound that angry.
3: That's all Todd Barry, baby. Carlos starts striking Connie with the belt as Connie hides behind a curtain and then runs away.
8: Better clean that up. I'm serious. You
10: son of a bitch!
3: Connie runs around the apartment trying to get away. She slams the door in Carlos's face and then throws poker chips that were on the poker table.
8: Not the poker chips, you spoiled guinea brat. I just stacked those in color order. Connie <laughs>
3: runs to the kitchen and picks up a butcher knife.
8: Yeah, yeah. Come on now. Kill me. Be a murderer like your father. Come on, all, all you Corleones are murderers anyway.
5: Oh, wow, Carlo. That's weak dude. Hitting a pregnant woman with a belt is one thing, but calling my family a bunch of murderers? Where is that even coming from?
8: Well, uh, maybe that was too far, but it still doesn't make up for you breaking those dishes. Some of that stuff was for my family, too, you know.
3: Car- Connie goes to stab Carlo, but he grabs her wrist and overpowers the knife out of her hand and throws her to the floor. Connie runs into the bedroom and into the bathroom.
5: I hate you!
3: Connie peeks her head out of the door again and mutters softly,
5: By the way, is this about the thing Sonny did to you? Because I told him not to do it to you. That was pretty much you.
3: Carlo gets riled up to a capacity. Go ahead. Now I'll kill
8: you. You spoiled guinea brat. You get out of here.
5: Spoiled guinea brat again, Carlo? Really?
8: (laughs) What
3: can I say? I got nothing. Carlo kicks in the bathroom door and whips Connie with his belt as the door slams shut. The scene is horrifying as we cut to the Corleone kitchen daytime. Mama Corleone answers the phone with Santino Jr., the most annoying baby, in her arms. (laughs) Santino Jr. is crying loudly.
11: Connie, what's the matter? I can't hear you. What is it? Connie, talk louder. Sonny's annoying baby's crying.
3: Sonny comes up behind Mama.
11: I mean, uh, Sonny's adorable little carbon copy of himself. <laughs> Every scream is a little masterpiece of joy. Santino, I don't understand. I don't know.
3: Sonny grabs the phone. Sandra, we you shut this kid up? I can't hear nothing. Yeah, Connie. Connie's voice is barely audible, but we can tell by Sonny's expression that Connie is in trouble.
7: Carlo? Listen, you wait there. No, 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 no. You just wait there. Why? Because it's better that I come there. If you come here, it'll ruin the most... Classic scene in motion picture
3: history, that's why. Sonny hangs up the phone, visibly irate.
7: Son of a bitch! What's
11: the matter? Son of a bitch! What's the matter? Son of a bitch! Sonny
3: begins to storm out. Mommy screams after him.
11: Sonny! Remember when Salazar told you not to lose that famous temper of yours? It means everyone knows. Sounds to me like you're walking into a trap.
3: Mama goes back, calms down, and talks to Sonny's wife.
11: Well... If if you think about it, he does cheat on you and use the N-word a lot. Maybe you're better off, sweetie.
3: Sonny runs out to the Corleone Mall and out to his car. He yells at the guard at the gate.
11: Open the goddamn
7: gate!
3: Get off your ass! How rude! (laughs) Tom has now been alerted and runs out of the house with a button man. Unfortunately, Sonny is already in his car and turning around to speed off.
9: Sonny! Sonny! Come on!
3: Sonny drives towards the gate, but the bodyguard is blocking it. Get out of here! He's so angry! Tom <laughs> yells at some additional buttonmen.
9: Move on, let's go, get out there.
3: The button men rush into the car and go after Sonny. This is it. We cut to the causeway blues. Daytime. We faintly hear a baseball game over a radio. It's a broadcast of the famous Shot Heard Round the World playoff game won by the New York Giants over the Brooklyn Dodgers. Unfortunately, this game took place on October 3rd, 1951. And since we have made tireless references that it's 1946, well, I guess Francis Ford Coppola didn't take that into consideration. High resolution audio or internet chat rooms 45 years later had he been busted when he filmed this scene. What a butt. Moving on, Sonny drives up to the toll booth. He grabs a bill from his pocket and hands it to the toll collector. The car in front of him, in front of Sonny, seems to be having a problem with its engine. Sonny sounds his horn. Meanwhile, the car full of button men that were right in front of Sonny's tail, right behind Sonny's tail, were left at the compound and apparently lost. Oh, wait a minute, I can't read this thing for the life of me! It says go left, but there's nothing there! That's because the map is upside
6: down, you idiot! Why do you even need a map? Why don't we just follow Sonny wherever he goes? Oh,
0: sure. That's easy for you to say. You're not the one driving. Well,
6: you shouldn't be driving and reading a map at the same time. Oh,
0: says you. What do you know?
6: What's that sign say up ahead? Oh,
0: nothing. Just bridge out. Bridge out? Yeah, bridge out. Bridge, bridge out?
3: out. <laughs> Sonny is still yelling at the car in front of him.
7: Son of a bitch! Come on! Come on!
3: Sonny hands the toll collector his bill, and the toll collector drops Sonny's change. Oops! (laughs) fingers. The toll collector bends to pick up the change, and at the same time, slides the booth door shut. Uh Uh-oh. Sonny turns his head and notices a line of armed men pointing their weapons at him.
7: Uh, hey, fellas. Uh, Can you get back in your cars? I'm really running
10: just a little bit late.
3: A fusillade of shots pelt the car, and Sonny, Sonny stumbles out of the car, screaming while the armed men are still firing.
7: See, I don't die! Say hello to my huge friend!
3: Now this time, even though Sonny is quoting Scarface, he has no gun, and it is no metaphor. He's actually talking about his penis. The barrage of bullets continue into the night. Sonny comes back to the stage and finally falls dead in an Academy Award-winning death nomination for sure. One of the hitmen comes up and shoots him from a very close range, stops, then kicks him in the head. Oh, that last kick.
7: Ooh, that last kick was so unnecessary. Boy, I must have done something really to piss you guys off. Oh, well, remember, folks, I'll be back in some flashbacks in Godfather 2. Also, make sure you see my new picture, Funny Lady, a sequel to Funny Girl that, well, I don't mind telling you, really wasn't that funny. Uh, But if you want to see two Jews making out on screen, then this is the film for you. Yeah, I'm Jewish. Me and Arthur Fonzarelli. Go figure. Good night, everybody. Comedian DC
3: Benny, everybody. Back to the action. The Assassin's get back in their cars before the bumbling button men show up and get out of their car at the toll booths.
0: I still say we could have gotten here a lot faster making that left turn at Albuquerque.
6: Oh, what do you know? You're like the worst driver anyway. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not.
3: Yes, you are.
6: uh Uh-oh. The two
3: nitwits see Sonny lying in a pool of blood.
6: Oh, my God. Do you think he's okay? (laughs) No, I don't think he's okay, You idiot. I'm not taking responsibility for this. Well, it's not my fault we're late. You had to stop for a newspaper. I wanted to see the reviews for Gilda. That Rita Hayworth is so hot. I heard she takes her top off in this movie. Oh, you're lying. That's what I heard. You can't do that in a movie. I'm just
0: saying that's what I heard. Fine. Let's go see the movie and we'll see for ourselves. Then we'll go tell Don Corleone his son is
6: dead. Right. I'm in no rush for that. You think they'll be angry if we lost him? No, the Godfather's
3: the best. As the button men leave and the plaza is empty, the toll collector who drops Sonny's change finally rises up from his toll booth, brushes off his uniform and says, oh. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> superintendent's going to be pissed. We cut back to the Corleone compound. The mood is obviously somber. Tom Hagen is in the Godfather's office crestfallen and having a drink a shadowy figure enters the room and sits down next to Tom it's Don Corleone up and about for the first time since his assassination attempt he's still wearing hilarious pajamas and a real kick-ass bathrobe he still has his Planet of the Apes like tape around his throat as he motions for Tom to give him a drink
9: give me a drop. what you can't get up and get your own drink no. it's like two-second trip behind me to the bar.
1: I like drinking out of your glass.
9: Well, I might have herpes. Uh, it's revealed in the second movie that I have a mistress, and she might be a skank. Ew.
1: You're right. I'll get my own. My wife is crying upstairs. Your car's coming to the house. Can't see her, man. I think you should tell your dad what everyone seems to know.
9: Uh, I didn't tell Mama anything, and I was about to come up and wake you just now and tell you.
1: But you needed a drink first.
9: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, You've had your drink. They shot Sonny. I want all inquiries made. You didn't let me finish.
1: Sorry, I'm ready to get to the end of this episode. It's going very long.
3: (laughs) They shot Sonny on the causeway, and he's dead. The godfather exhales, bows his head, and is clearly physically shaken and weakened by this devastating news.
1: As I was saying, I want all inquiries made. I want no acts of vengeance. I want you to arrange a meeting with the heads of the five families. The war stops now. Well, maybe
9: you want to think about it overnight. No,
1: my mind is made up. Take care of it and make sure the meeting's in an hour. What? With all
9: the heads of the five families? You know how impossible that's going to be? It's like two in the morning. I still have grieving to do. He was my brother, you know.
1: Oh, come on, you crap, Mick (laughs) bastard! It's not like I'm asking you to get the unpublished manuscript of the new Harry Potter book or anything. It's... Shouldn't be a problem, should it? You can do anything,
9: right? What the... Hey, isn't that the line Meryl Streep says to Anne Hathaway in The Devil
1: Wears Prada? I was watching it upstairs before I came down. (laughs) I'm just saying Anne Hathaway ends up getting that book. Mm, Fine. Jesus. Is there anything else I can do
9: for you on a moment's notice while we're grieving? Perhaps get Golda ear and Anwar Sadat together for
1: a little breakfast? Uh, (laughs) No, no. (laughs) You're too funny. Uh, Just arrange all the flights and the other travel arrangements for the 20 people or so I want to have the meeting with. Oh, well, we'll also need a boardroom and some snacks. I don't know, Cheetos, oranges, appetizers, maybe some (laughs) pasta dishes. You know what all those guys like, right? No, not really. It's all settled
10: then. Mm
3: -hmm. I'm going to finish watching the movie and take a nap. Don gives Tom a hug and then starts up the stairs. Oh, also call Bonacero. We need him now. Oh, my God, that's so much work. Don starts up the stairs again and pauses. Maybe he finally realizes he's burdened Tom, who just lost his brother with too much. Oh,
1: and Tom, yeah.
3: if you don't get that meeting together
1: in an hour, don't bother coming back to work. What?
9: <laughs> Holy shit, wait a minute. Is that from uh, Devil Wears Prada again?
1: God, I'm exhausted.
3: <laughs> okay, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Tom picks up the phone and starts dialing Bonacera, which for some reason he knows the number by heart. How you doing? Yeah, this is
9: Tom Hagen calling for Vito Corleone at his request. Now, you owe Don a service. He's done, he has no doubt that you're going to repay him the service. In one hour, he's going to be at your funeral parlor, and he's going to ask you for help. You be there to greet him.
3: As Tom is talking on the phone, we cut to see Bonasera in his suit, nervous and sweaty through the cracks of the elevator going down to the basement of Bonasera's funeral parlor and bombing room. The elevator doors open, and two men carrying a covered stretcher Look to Bonacera on where to set it down. Tom comes out of the elevator next, and then out of the shadows comes Don Corleone himself. He slowly walks up to Bonacera, who is beside himself with fear. Removes his hat. Bonacera has no idea what the Godfather is going to ask. After a few seconds of an intimidating staring contest between the two, the Don finally speaks.
10: Well, my
1: friend... Are you ready to do me the service? Uh, Yes.
6: Uh, What do you need me to do?
1: I'm just curious. What do you think it is I want you to do?
6: (laughs) Well, I don't know. I, I was surprised you called. After all, it was like a day ago when you said you would ask for a favor and said the day you may never come. You could have just been honest and said I'll call you tomorrow for a favor. Well,
1: where would the fun in that be?
3: The Don takes Bonacera over to the body of the stretcher.
1: I want you to use all your powers and all your skills. I don't want his mother to say him this way.
3: The Don uncovers the blanket, covering the body to reveal it is sunny. His body and face are mangled and grotesque.
6: Holy shit, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I've been a mortician for 50 years, but motherfucking, freaking, cocksucking fuck, just what the fuck?
1: Look at that massacre, my boy.
6: Well, yeah, Jesus, massacre. That's a polite term for what this is. i got to be honest with you, Vito. This is fucked up, and quite frankly, a hell of a fucking favor to ask in return for beating up a couple of teenagers. No, no, I'm out of here.
9: I told you that might be his
1: reaction. What was I going to do? I was going to call Enzo the Baker? Although I could go for some cake right now. I don't mind telling you that reminds me, definitely order a cake for the meeting with the head of the five families.
9: <laughs> all right, all right already. Now he's got me ordering cakes. Fuck, I wish I was adopted. I am adopted.
1: <laughs> well, I wonder what Anne Hathaway's character would do in this situation. I've got to watch
3: that movie again. I guess I'll just cover this back up. We cut back to Sicily, daytime, and Tomasino's villa courtyard. Michael and Apollonia are in love, but Apollonia has begun to talk more and Michael is getting annoyed. He's currently teaching Apollonia to drive. She's laughing as she is driving the car. She almost hits the short walls enclosing the courtyard. The car finally stops. Michael gets out and kisses the ground.
4: Jeez, woman, it's
12: easier to teach you English.
4: Lo, lo, Inglésia. I'm sorry, I'm talking so much lately.
12: <laughs> oh, you know some English, do you? Let me hear some.
4: Monday, Tuesday, um, uh, a Thursday, and um, Wednesday, <laughs> Friday. I try, but my tits get confused. <laughs> andiamo, andiamo.
12: Well, that's just lovely. Maybe next you can explain to me how someone who's been a virgin so long I can't find the time to learn the days of the week in order. Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. What's that supposed to be, cute? I guess they don't bother teaching women here in Sicily when the men have done such a good job keeping everything together. Eesh.
4: Come on, don't, don't be <laughs> such a prick.
10: <laughs>
4: andiamo, andiamo.
3: Domicino's car drives in sounding its horn. Michael walks over. Is it really necessary to beep your horn? <laughs> I you. saw you come in.
12: How are things in Palermo, you old dog? I'm
10: um, great, really great. <laughs>
12: Why? How are you sweating so much already? You just got out of your car.
8: Hey, manage, they haven't invented car air conditioning yet, and I'm obviously <laughs> overweight. I'm a fat fucking pig, Ma- all right?
3: Michael <laughs> helps Tomasino out of the car. Apollonia runs over and kisses him. <laughs> hey, whoa, 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 whoa,
10: whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what the tits. Um,
7: <laughs> how are you, my dear?
4: I am good, yes? <laughs> yes. Uh, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Michael taught me all kinds of things in the bedroom. <laughs> he teaches me where to put penis. He wants it in mouth, he wants it everywhere. He wants to put penis all over the place. <laughs> and then he gives me presents. Sometimes he gives me blueberry pancakes for breakfast. <laughs> That's a Pulp Fiction reference. <laughs> which Seems out of place here, but <laughs> nonetheless, I ask him for blueberry pancakes and he gives them to me, lots of them. That's the only nice thing he ever really <laughs> says to me. <laughs> then he tells me I shouldn't have opinions or I'll be beat with an opinion <laughs> stick. <laughs> but basically, things are moving along. He's teaching me how to drive. Yes, papi, to drive.
3: Tomasino smiles at Apollonia as she <laughs> runs back to the car.
8: Oh, Maron, she's not bright, but oh, one hot piece of ass, huh? Oh, you got what? that right,
12: negro. Hey, did you know she thinks that the days of the week go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday? What an idiot. Yeah. It's maddening. She's driving me crazy.
8: These are young people. They don't respect anything anymore. At times, they change it for the worse. Hey, Michael, this place has become too dangerous for you. With the blueberry pancakes and everything else. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you're safe here. I want you to move to a villa near Syracuse right now. Wait, wait,
12: wait. You're all over the place. What does the young people don't respect anything anymore common mean? Shouldn't you have opened with, this place has become too dangerous for you. Also, go fuck yourself if you think I'm moving to Syracuse.
8: No, 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 no. Not Syracuse, New York. Oh, that cold shithole. No. (laughs) Syracuse, Italy. It's nice there. It's got the water. It's wet. It's warm. Oh, all
12: right. Well, now you're talking. Hey, what's bothering you, cowboy? It Seems like you got something else on your mind. It's the
8: bad news from America. Your brother Santino. They killed him. What?
12: Well, what? Well, remember when I said to you you should have opened? With this place has become too dangerous. I take that back. Hey, Michael, your brother's been murdered. It Seems like your money
3: opened. <laughs> Apollonia starts beeping the car horn and screaming.
4: Andiamo, andiamo, mia, a promesso, promesso. Oh, shut up,
12: you insensitive Claude! All right. I just found out my brother died.
4: Monday. <laughs> 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 Tuesday, Thursday <laughs> Take me for blueberry pancakes
1: Ah, blueberry pancakes,
8: yes mm.
12: Don Tomasino, until today I would never ask such a thing But, uh, oh my god Get me out of this marriage If she says the days of the week again I'm gonna plot
3: <laughs> We've come to later you. that day Apollonia <laughs> and a very disenchanted Michael Are getting ready to move Callow sits under a tree And Fabrizio is on the wall near the gate Michael steps out onto the balcony And yells to Fabrizio
12: Fabrizio! Yes? Prepara la machina. Uh, what?
6: Are you talking in Italian? <laughs> yeah. Ah, well, look at you. Oh, shut up. <laughs> um, you driving yourself, boss? Yes. Is your wife coming with you?
12: But what the fuck do you care if my wife is coming with me or not? <laughs> Even though it's not of your concern, no, she is not coming with me. In fact, I would like you to take her to her father's house until I know things are safe. Okay, anything you say, boss. uh. But now he says anything you say, boss. All the guy does is contradict me all the time. I wonder if I should be suspicious of that. Well, he comes highly recommended, and he is rather dreamy looking.
3: Later that day, we're in the kitchen in the villa. Kalo is sitting at the table, eating and getting high, as usual. (laughs) As Michael enters.
12: Hell you are, you fat fuck. Where's a Polonia?
3: She's going to surprise you. She wants to drive.
12: (laughs) What? And you let her, you idiot? She's the worst driver anywhere, Asia. She'll make a good American wife. After all, she knows the days of the week pretty good. Oh my God, is everyone an idiot here? I can't wait to get back home. So I guess I'll get the baggage. Let me just finish rolling this blunt. Oh, would you? Because I wouldn't want to disturb your meal, you fat lard.
3: We cut to the villa courtyard. Kayla's finally carrying the suitcases to the car while juggling his bong. He places the luggage into the trunk. Apollonia is in the driver's seat, screaming at Michael.
4: Aye, 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 aye. (laughs) 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 Michael, (laughs) I didn't realize I had an actual line there. Anyway, (laughs) Michael, they did not have blueberry pancakes this morning. (laughs) I'm still talking about that, yes. I had to get buttermilk. I am sad. Do you know that studies show a balanced breakfast includes blueberry pancakes, not buttermilk? So I am feeling quite loggy today. My titties are only mildly gleeful.
3: <laughs> Michael walks out and sees Fabrizio walking away. Fabrizio, where are you going, you idiot? Apologna is honking the horn again.
4: Michael, let guido la at Michael. Oh, my God,
12: that fucking <laughs> horn again. Now give me a goddamn break. I can't take, I can't take it anymore, I tell you. I
4: can't take it! Hey, Michael, listen. Poppy, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday.
12: Oh, she figured out Wednesday comes after Tuesday. Now, between that and the blueberry pancakes, what a blissful life this will be now. Oh, good God, I messed up good. I'll never get out of this one. I'd do anything just to get her to stop honking that damn horn.
3: Michael sees Fabrizio running through the gate.
12: But well, that's odd. I guess he's sick of it too.
3: Michael quickly puts two and two together and realizes Fabrizio has double crossed him, but wasn't expecting Apollonia to be in the car. Apollonia is about to turn the in- ignition key on to start the car when Michael, doing his best Willy Wonka impression, lazily to stop Apollonia from starting the car.
12: No,
10: don't stop.
3: The car blows up and Michael is thrown into the bushes. Michael gets up dusts himself off and says
12: God, what a week I'm having <laughs> That's the Godfather everybody
0: <laughs> Let me introduce the cast Mr. Mark Friedman everybody as the narrator Irene Bremis, You can hear every week on BB, BB Box Radio on the John Fugleswag Show Mr. Paul Mercurio his podcast, Two Chairs and a Microphone." Mr. William Stevenson. He'll try be down the block in the comedy cellar Thursday night. Bethel Carum. Matteo Lane, appearing March 30th through April 1st. He'll be at the DC Draft House in Washington, D.C. DC Benny. You can see his live storytelling show, "Tall but True." Mr. Tom Cotter. He'll be appearing at the legendary Bananas Comedy Club this weekend in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Rachel Feinstein! Be at the Punchline in Sacramento, California, March 16th through the 18th. Mr. Todd Barry! Taping his special right upstairs tomorrow night. Mr. Dan Natterman! Every week on the Comedy Cellar Radio Show on Sirius XM. Of course, Colin Smith and Noam Dorman! My mandolin and guitar. Thank you to Nick Griffin, Liz for your Jason and Memo Salazar. Thank you so much.
7: We'll see how everybody.
6: About, how about a hand, Mr.
0: Dave, Dave, Dave just just oh, Thank you. It's here for we'll just fire. Fire. We'll
7: see
6: You're,
10: fire. Fire.
0: You're hired, Thank you everybody. <laughs>